Hello and welcome to Front and Center, a show dedicated to insights and perspectives on commercial real estate investment across the public and private markets. Produced by Center Square Investment Management, Front and Center hosts timely and relevant conversations with firm thought leaders about the trends and drivers impacting the global real estate asset class. For more information, please visit centersquare.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Center Square's Front and Center. I am Scott Crow, President and Chief Investment Strategist at Center Square, and I'm joined by my colleague today, Uma Moriarty, who is our ESG Lead Analyst and Senior Investment Strategist. Uma, so last week, a lot going on as relates to interest rates in the Fed. What did you think of uh, the, the, state, the, the result and the statement? Yeah, I think that the Fed's decision to take a pause on rate hikes, but leave the door open to have the room to raise rates in the chance that data doesn't support what they're really looking for in terms of bringing down inflation. All of that really aligns with what I think the market was broadly expecting. I think the notable thing, though, is that the market was still anticipating rate cuts to start happening I mean, at this point, at the beginning of next year, but I think the Fed is really trying to talk down that expectation and set the stage for rates to remain higher for for longer. I mean, that was really my take on that. I don't know if you had anything else that you you were listening to or, or hearing out of the commentary from the Fed. Yeah, a few things surprised me. Um, I'm surprised that there's still at least half the members are expecting a, another 50 basis points of increase. This year, in fact, you know, if you look at the market, the odds of a, an increase in July of another 25 basis points is running around 70%. That being said, you know, they, they may be just putting that out there to manage expectations, right? I mean, you know, they're, they're still probably positively biased to increasing interest rates because, for a few reasons. One of them you pointed out was, and, you know, Powell talked a lot about this in his commentary. They want to tamper down market expectations of any cut anytime soon. And I think we'll come back to that in a minute. But I think to me, that's the real one of the real messages here is, is higher interest rates for longer. You know, and, the, and the other reason is, look, the Fed is in a fight still to regain its credibility. So, you know, it needs to take that, uh, that hawkish stance. So, you know, I guess the last thing that I found really interesting in the commentary was this focus on, on rents. Uh, and rent inflation. So, you know, a, f- a few a, a few surprises there uh, from from my perspective. Yeah, and I think as it relates to rents, I mean, that was something that we've been paying attention to and watching for a long time here at Center Square, and that happened on the other side when we were seeing these rents increase really dramatically. It wasn't flowing through into the inflation numbers because of just the lagging methodology that's used to capture rents in that inflation data. And on the flip side, we're kind of seeing it the other way now where you are definitely seeing rent growth really normalize. I mean, I think year to date rents are probably flat to up very moderately on a national level, but you're definitely seeing pockets where rents went up a lot. You're seeing rent fatigue, you're seeing supply hitting some of those sunbelt markets where rents are actually going the other way. And so in terms of how that's actually getting captured into the inflation data that the Fed is looking at, still a little bit murky, right? But what we're seeing on the ground from a real estate perspective is that housing costs are 
normalizing. Yeah, I mean, just to, just to be clear to the audience, the way that the Fed looks at rent uh, growth or rent inflation is they look at, um, you know, whether people are, you know, the new leases people are uh, assigning typically from a year ago, right? So given the fact that market rents have gone up a lot over, you know, the, the last couple of years, a lot of people are getting, you know, significant rent increases on renewal. You know, the difference is if you actually look at, you know, the month on month change in rents where real spot market rents are today, you know, they're certainly not growing at the 8% that the Fed referenced and is measuring. Uh, and as you pointed out, I mean, in some markets, they're flat and in many markets, they're down. So yeah. you know, that, was an, that, that, that was an interesting um, uh, comment and, and focus given, you know, you'd expect the Fed to, to understand that dynamic. But we can, we can see from our perspective, looking at the REIT, you know, the REITs that we cover and, you know, other single family rental players, that there certainly is not the level of rent inflation that <clears throat> was referenced by the Fed. In fact, you know, I think the the outlook for rents is for them to, you know, soften. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of the rent growth was also really fueled by the wage inflation that we were seeing, kind of the free money that consumers were getting during COVID. And so you had all of this excess capacity from a, a money supply perspective that was enabling these rents to to do what they were doing. And now that you've kind of sucked some of that wind out of the, the sales of the economy and the consumer, I mean, you're seeing the consumer really pull back on spending kind of across the board and especially across discretionary types of items, whether it be, you know, clothing, bars and restaurants, some of that leisure travel, a lot of those things, I think you're starting to see the consumer really think about the way in which they're spending their money and, and looking at the outlook for the economy, understanding where their financial situation kind of stands. And so all of that really points to inflation starting to kind of normalize and pull back. And so I think the the lagged effect of monetary tightening that you would expect is is definitely starting to hit Main Street at this point as well, which makes sense. We're kind of, you know, that 12 to 18 months past the beginning of, of the tightening cycle here. Yeah, and that's typically when it really starts to bite into the real economy. So the Fed, you know, looking at this rent data, maybe looking at a, a lagging indicator, and I guess, you know, that just sets up some policy risk if they really do follow through with their 50 basis point increase this year, that, you know, they, they may be in a situation of over-tightening. But I guess switching gears a little bit, whether they do or they don't uh, increase by 50 basis points in addition this year. Uh, you know, I think one of the key takeaways that we've had is that, you know, the market is probably too optimistic about, you know, how long uh, the Fed will keep interest rates high. And um, that, I think, has a, a, a number of really important implications for, for real estate. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've been in the camp of higher for longer for a little while. And that's how we've developed kind of our expectation for pricing on real estate, expecting that tenure to be three and a half, four percent in that range compared to the much lower area that, that that rate was sitting at in the last cycle after the GFC. And so as we think about what that means for real estate pricing, there needs to be a little bit of a shift. That shift happened very clearly in the REIT market in 2022. And it's starting to kind of percolate through the private market as well, where I think we're starting to get a bit of that capitulation from, 
from players across the private market, buyers and sellers, both understanding that we are in a new rate regime. Yeah, I think um, I think what's shifting in the market right now is, you know, away from this thought of, well, you know what, interest rates have gone up, but it's temporary and they'll come back down. And so cap rates really don't need to go up that much because, you know, the market will look through that, you know, quote unquote, temporary increase in interest rates. And I think what's starting to dawn on people is that, you know, that interest rate may indeed come down and you know probably will at some point once the Fed achieves its aims of significantly slowing the economy. But that could take a long time. And for now, the new normal, okay, the, the, the context that we should all be living with is accepting the fact that rates are going to stay around here for quite some time. And if that is the case, then you know the cap rates. In, I know the cap rates have adjusted in, in in the REIT market, you know, into the to the high fives. But you know, in the private market, you know, they've still got some catching up to do. And I I, I think the ability to sort of say, hey, we're going to look through this increase in interest rates and everything's going to be okay. I, I think that thesis is you know going to be increasingly challenged uh, going forward. Yeah, and, and we've definitely seen some examples of that start to play out across transactions that we're seeing in the marketplace. I mean, last week we got an announcement from one of the, the large multifamily REITs for a, a, a recap through a JV structure for a fairly large portfolio. And it was, you know, marked at call it a mid to high five forward cap rate, which is very different than where potentially that transaction would have probably happened 12 to 18 months ago. And so you're starting to see some of these marks happen across the, the transaction market where now, as especially we have all of these different loans coming due across the commercial real estate space, you're going to start to see appraisers able to use some of these marks that are happening across the transaction market and, and really take a, a hard look at valuations and, and where things stand today. Yeah, because I think one of the, we just obviously got out of you know, NARATE recently and we are starting to see some of the companies talk about real movements in in cap rates, and you know I know you're in some of those meetings. I mean, what 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 kind of you know magnitude and level are we we talking about in terms of what's actually starting to transact right now? And you may as well just use the multifamily space as an example. Yeah, you know I, I pointed to that that JV transaction. I think there were a couple nuances that that happened with that transaction, including a very wide range of quality of assets many different markets and it was a large check that was being written and i and i think at this point a lot more of the transactions that are happening are probably a bit smaller in size and so it almost seems like the opposite of a portfolio premium at this point on that transaction but if if we talk to kind of some of the other multifamily reits getting a sense of where they're seeing transactions take place for kind of single assets institutional quality type of assets i mean you're still looking at call it the mid four, low 5% cap rate range. And it seems like you're getting a bit more traction there. Whereas those transactions a year, year and a half ago would have probably been closer to, you know, a high three type of a cap rate range. And so you have definitely seen kind of a, I would say hundred basis point move in cap rate expectations from a transaction perspective across multifamily, at least. Um, and and, a, and definitely a, a difference in how that plays out across the different property types, right? With with industrial, for example, you're still seeing very tight cap rates, 
because people are able to still impute some level of mark to market within that that asset that's coming due in, in a short period of time or, or things like that. And so you can justify some of those lower cap rates because of the growth for some asset types, but then the opposite side of the spectrum would probably be office. And so I, I think the the shift in transaction cap rates has been has been varied based on the property type. But if we think about a kind of standard multifamily type of a deal, you would say around about a hundred basis point increase in cap rate seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, I mean that's pretty significant. Even if you take into account rent inflation, you're talking about double digit decline in asset values. But I guess just lastly, you know, you mentioned industrial, and that sort of seems to be the last bastion of, you know. Uh, cap rates that are you know still pretty low haven't moved up that much and that are a negative spread to funding costs to debt costs and you know again the the argument being well there's such embedded mark to market right uh, in in these leases 30 40 50 percent that those cap rates are justified but maybe that's the next myth to be cracked Right, maybe you know we can't have a recession and and uh, not end up with some you know pretty meaningful softening in industrial rents because they've gone up a lot too. So, you know, I know we've been talking about a lot about that a lot internally, but you know, I do think that that could be that could end up being a myth that gets uh, or that could be an, a concept, a theory that gets increasingly challenged as the economy slows. So, what lastly, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I think from an industrial perspective, it's definitely an asset by asset type of a conversation, right? I think some of the assets that had much long dated leases, call it, you know, seven to 10 year leases, those assets started getting repriced when we saw interest rates go up because you did not have that immediate mark to market opportunity for those types of assets. But if you had the ability to find an asset, leases are rolling within the next two years where you're able to mark that asset to market you were still able to kind of take on a negative leverage situation and sit with it for a year or two and it was it was still fine. I think to your point, there's definitely a lot of conversation happening today in terms of questioning the level of growth. I mean, I think in some markets you were seeing, you know, 50 plus percent market rent growth on a year over year basis, and that's just not sustainable. So I think we're definitely coming back to some level of normalization from those highs you have pockets of markets where you're definitely going to see supply playing into that picture as well. But broadly speaking, national vacancies for industrial are still very low and, and it gives currently the, the landlord still a bit of pricing power. And so the, the rent growth story for industrial seems somewhat intact for the moment. But the big question is when we get into this economic downturn, and we start to see some of the supply coming online for a, a few select markets. What does that really mean for growth expectations? And I think the public market is already thinking about that. And you've seen that in, in the way that you've seen performance here for some of the industrial REITs. But that growth expectation, that's that's part of the underwriting the private market, I think, has yet to adjust. Well, we'll keep watching that trend and many others in the uh, real estate world as things unfold. That's all we got time for today. Thank you to our audience for joining and thank you, Uma, as well. Uh, coming up next week, uh, we have uh, Michael Boxer, who is our head of private real estate debt. Obviously, a lot going on in the debt markets and I look forward to that, uh, uh, that episode of Front and Center. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening to Front and Center. 
You can subscribe on your favorite streaming platform and please be sure to leave us a review. To stay up to date, you can visit our website at centersquare.com to access our thought leadership, sign up for our mailing list, or contact our team. We look forward to hearing from you. The content of this podcast is informational only and represents the viewpoints of the presenters at the time of recording. It should not be regarded as a solicitation nor investment advice. All information presented is subject to change at any time based on new data, analysis, or market conditions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results.